Hello and welcome back to Practicing English. And today is Friday, and so I'm reading a story. And it's the last chapter today of The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilborough. And that's me. And you can buy this book on any Amazon platform so that you can read along and listen at the same time and do the activities that come in the book to help you progress to a strong B2 level student. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbra and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or for those students who just want to improve their general English. For transcripts of these podcasts, please go to practicingenglish.com. Okay, as usual, I'm going to start with some vocabulary from the story, words for you to listen out for and identify the context they are used in in the story. And the first word is overwhelming. And overwhelming means so powerful that you cannot resist it and do not know how to react. So it's something that happens which is too much for you and you find it difficult to cope with that. That's overwhelming. And the next one is spin, S-P-I-N. And the phrase here, or the expression here is your head spins. And your head spins if you feel dizzy or ill and you cannot think clearly and your vision is affected. And the next one is spooky, S-P-O-O-K-Y, and that means frightening and strange, sinister, spooky. And the next one is relief, and the expression is, that's a relief. Relief is a feeling of happiness when something unpleasant stops. Relief. The last one is awkward. That's awkward with an A at the beginning. And it means when you do not know how to react because a situation is rather delicate. An awkward situation, we say. Right, okay. And I have then the last comprehension question of this story. The question is, what does Isabel want to do that weekend? What does Isabel want to do that weekend? Okay, so I'm beginning then on the last chapter, chapter 18 of the Tudor Conspiracy. Here we go. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilbrough. This recording is copyright. Chapter 18 The Order, Isabel and Philip. 
As Isabel and Philip were leaving the police station, they met Mr. Fanshawe near the exit. His hair had dried and he looked better, but his clothes still seemed damp. The same policewoman had not been so generous in her offer to buy new clothes. Hello again, said Mr. Fanshawe. You may like to know that Miss Grundy has been arrested. She has been charged with using firearms in a public place, destroying public property, and may be charged later with attempted murder. Professor Hawthorne has also been arrested as an accomplice. Mr. Fanshawe looked down and took a deep breath. Isabel, Philip, he said, I would like to express my most profound apologies. For having sent you on this mission, it was not right. I see that now. I had no idea of what had happened in Trinity Church until just now. The police told me that the Grundy woman shot at you, and you had to run for your lives. I was not aware that members of Anglia Nostra used guns or were so dangerous. Why couldn't you have told us? What all this was about from the beginning? Asked Isabel. Because, interrupted Philip, we might have said no. Isn't that right, Mister Fanshawe? Philip sounded annoyed. Perhaps the professor isn't a violent man like Miss Grundy, but, as you said yourself earlier, you expected he would try to steal the quarto from us. Not a particularly agreeable experience for us to go through. I'm afraid Philip is right, Isabel," said Mister Fanshawe. "I was selfish. I thought about nothing except my acquittal. I knew of nobody else who could help me. The loss of my position at the university has tormented me for a long time. It is a terrible thing to be asked to leave one's employment. After nearly forty years of service, and when one knows one is innocent, I used you both, and that was not right. I put your lives in danger. I am so sorry for the trauma both of you must have been through today. Mister Fanshawe said Isabel, "I was very happy working with you in the bookshop. You taught me so much." You were always kind to me and showed me so much respect. You really are a lovely man. You should have told me what you intended to do. We could have arranged something, made some sort of plan together. I would have helped you. In the end, you lied to me, to both of us. Isabel shook her head. There was a long pause. And nobody knew what to say next. Then Mister Fanshawe spoke. I totally understand if you prefer not to return to the bookshop on Monday morning, Isabel. Please do not worry about that. I will give you an excellent written reference for your curriculum vitae. You deserve it. I would be more than happy to have you back. I too have enjoyed my time working with you. I can promise you there would be no more lies. 
Mr. Fanshaw turned to go. Isabel thought she saw tears in his eyes. Mr. Fanshaw, Isabel called out. Mr. Fanshaw stopped and turned around. Thanks for saving me from Miss Grundy, said Isabel, smiling. I mean, with the book. It was a copy of Shakespeare's King Lear I have been reading, said Mr. Fanshaw. Good use for that book. Grundy was as mad as King Lear. Oh, but I understand my gesture was unnecessary in the end. I was with Sergeant Jenkins when he received the call about the empty gun. You found a moment to take out the bullets. Is that right? Isabel nodded. You have a bright future ahead of you, Isabel. I can see that. Mr. Fanshaw turned back towards the exit and walked out. Isabel and Philip looked at the door as it swung shut. He's not a bad chap, really, Philip said. A typical academic. He gets an idea in his head and will do anything and everything to find a solution. They were both about to leave the police station when there was a voice behind them. Miss Gavira, I'm Mr. Dowell. They turned. It was Inspector Simmons again. Sorry to bother you again, he said. But there are some people here who have just arrived and would like to meet you. You don't have to, of course, but under the circumstances, I think you'll be interested to meet them. Isabel and Philip looked at each other, not knowing what to think. In the end, Isabel spoke. Yes, of course we'll meet them. Mr. Simmons took Isabel and Philip to another of the many rooms leading off the corridor and showed them in. The room was large and more luxurious than the interview room, and, surprisingly, there seemed to be a great many people inside. Isabel then noticed the heat in the room. It was overwhelming, and there seemed to be little air. She instantly recognized the guesthouse owner, Julie, who was sitting at a table with a number of other women and looking at her with the same broad smile. What was she doing here? Inspector Simmons, formal as usual, made the introductions. He gestured towards a handsome, blonde-haired woman in her fifties, who immediately stood up and smiled. This is the worshipful mayoress of Stratford-upon-Avon. Councillor Maud Wallingford. Madam Mayor, this is Isabel Gavira, and her associate, Philip Dowell. The mayoress stretched out her hand. I'm so very pleased to have the opportunity of meeting you both. She briefly shook Philip's hand first, and then took both of Isabel's hands into hers. Stratford-upon-Avon is extremely grateful for your act of bravery that led to the capture of the gunwoman and her accomplice. She looked into Isabel's eyes, and her face then looked apologetic. Isabel, you poor thing, how terribly frightened you must have been. What a simply awful experience for you. Both Philip and Isabel were at a loss for words. After the tiring events of the very long day, 
a meeting with an energetic mayoress of Stratford-upon-Avon was the last thing they had expected. Isabel felt she should somehow try to provide a suitable answer. Well, we got involved in this affair rather by accident, but in the end we both thought we should do what we could to have the uh, gunwoman arrested. The mayoress nodded sympathetically. And you've come all the way from Spain, haven't you, Isabel? Whatever must you think of us here in England? I love Spain, such lovely people. I go to Marbella every summer. Wonderful, wonderful. Isabel nodded and smiled, not knowing exactly what answer she should give. The mayoress's face then looked more serious. Inspector Simmons, I'll continue with the introductions, if you don't mind. Whatever you say, Madam Mayor, said the inspector, and he gave a sort of military salute. Isabel, Philip, I'd like to introduce you to some really lovely people. Now, I know you have gone through a traumatic experience with members of the Anglia Nostra order. But let me say, its true members are completely the opposite. They are wonderfully kind and generous people. Isabel froze as her gaze now passed over the smiling faces of the people around the table looking up at her. There were about ten of them, all women. As the mayoress began to introduce them, by name, Isabel's head started to spin. She looked back at the mayoress. She had stopped talking and was looking at Isabel in a strange way. The smile had gone and her eyes had hardened. There was a roaring sound in Isabel's ears and she heard none of the sounds in the room. She noticed the women's eyes. They were cruel and cold just like Jane Grundy's, the roaring became the sound of a huge fire. There were shouts of voices she had never heard before, then screams, screams of terrible suffering and agony. As Isabel's eyes began to lose focus, she thought she saw, through the trembling air, a figure sitting majestically on a throne, and a face with the same cruel eyes looking straight at her while the mouth moved slowly, pronouncing words that were lost in the roar of the flames. Isabel felt the pain again in her chest, and it became difficult to breathe. She realized now it was smoke in her lungs. Then there were arms at her sides, and she was being lowered onto a chair. It was dark outside when Isabel and Philip left the police station, and the evening air was still and pleasantly fresh. The wet pavement reflected the half-timbered houses in the orange lamplight. They walked in silence towards the car park. Well, said Philip, they seemed to be very nice people, didn't they? Really? said Isabel. They looked like ghosts. Didn't you notice their eyes? They looked just like Jane Grundy's. Oh? 
said Philip. They looked quite normal to me, but I suppose everything was a bit spooky. You nearly passed out. We just had time to catch you before you fell. You haven't eaten much all day. I suppose that was why. It was so hot in there, so terribly hot, said Isabel, and she breathed in the cool evening air. I didn't notice, said Philip. Anyway, how do you feel now? Much better and very glad to be out of there, said Isabel. Philip reached out and touched her shoulder. Anyway, he continued, so what did we learn in that meeting? Some members of the order heard about what had happened in Holy Trinity Church. Did they hear that on the news? We don't know. Perhaps it was Julie who contacted them. You were right about her, weren't you? She's part of the sect, all right. So Isabel Nostra telephoned the mayoress of Stratford to explain who Jane Grundy and the professor really were. Apparently, the professor, Jane and some others, had set up a sort of militant group with extremist and fanatical ideas, which don't coincide with the beliefs of the true order. When I asked those ladies about the booklet, they said it was just a historical symbolic work of little importance. According to those ladies, the real order of Mary Tudor is a peaceful Catholic organization dedicated to carrying out good works in society, and they all claim to be members of the real order. Hmm, said Isabel. They convinced the mayoress anyway, a donation of fifty thousand pounds to repair the Shakespeare Memorial and restore the Shakespeare monuments in Stratford. That's a lot of money. It's not surprising the mayoress thinks the members of the order are such lovely people. There were other suspicions in Isabel's mind about the mayoress, but she said nothing more. I see what you mean, said Philip. But they were very nice to us, especially to you. They apologised, didn't they, and assured us these fanatics wouldn't try to harm us in the future. That's a big relief. Isabel looked across at Philip. And the mayoress wants to reward us for our bravery. You know, you might get a medal. It was difficult, but she smiled. They walked on in silence for quite a while, Isabel letting the stress out slowly as they walked the peaceful streets of Stratford-upon-Avon. "'A penny for your thoughts, Isabel?' asked Philip eventually. Isabel looked up. "'I was just thinking about what I'll do now. I just have a month to go before my time in England is over. I'm not sure if I want to go back and work for Mr. Fanshawe. But I can't decide. He'd be pleased to see you again, said Philip. He obviously appreciates you a lot. But I understand how you feel. It's a bit of an awkward situation for you. Anyway, you've got the whole weekend to think about it. 
Isabel changed the subject. Where are we going? she asked. We could get something to eat. Then I'll drive you back to Welling Garden City, said Philip. You must be exhausted. You've got a long weekend of relaxing study ahead of you. No more adventures. Isabel looked at Philip. You know, although I know how to get around London now, I still don't know the history very well. I was thinking it would be nice to have an expert tour guide to show me the sights. Philip was genuinely surprised. Do you mean me? he asked in astonishment. Isabel laughed. It felt good to do so, and gave Philip a quick hug. Of course I mean you, she answered. Or have you got other plans for the weekend? Hmm, let me think, said Philip, rubbing his chin thoughtfully. This might just be one of those rare weekends when I happen to be free, he joked. And that's the end of the Tudor Conspiracy. I hope you've enjoyed it. Goodbye for now. Thank you.